Linda McHenry, host of The Writer's Voice. And my guest today is Terry Short. And I'm very excited to have her because we've known each other for a long time. And we're finally getting back together again after some time. How are you, Terry? I'm doing great. Thanks. I'm happy, happy to be here. <laughs> well, glad to have you. And, and unlike most of my past guests, you are a nonfiction writer. And the book that you wrote is a result of your many years in communication and working in relationship. Why don't you talk about that? And then first, though, hold up the cover for the words we choose. There you go. So tell us why you wrote the book and how your background guided you with it. Yeah, well, I had a leadership career in hospitality and then healthcare and in between my own business. And I'm back to my own business doing um, consulting and coaching, leadership coaching. You know, and as I go, whether I was coaching large groups in hospitals or hotels or what have you, or one-on-one, -on -one, I've always been super sensitive to the words people choose. You know, sometimes I'll hear a leader say something and I'll think, oh, there's such a better way to say that with greater impact, you know, and they're choosing words that minimize what they really wanted to say. A particular one that um, always catches me was, is when the leader says, I think we'll be able to do X, Y, or Z. And I think to myself, hmm, I they're getting the big bucks to know, <laughs> right? And they say, I think, right? Yeah, I think makes it sound like you're not sure. Right. So again, with your book, your focus is less on grammar and the actual construction than it is about conveying feelings and meaning and values and other things. So why don't you talk about those core concepts or values about anybody when they're trying to communicate, whether it's in the book they write or in the words they choose. Yeah, absolutely. That, and that's the important thing about the book to me is that it's unlike other books based on communication is that it starts with a look inward, right? And, it, and so a deeper look at emotional intelligence, your self-awareness, empathy, and building upon one's values really getting grounded in your values so that that informs your word choices. Because sometimes we choose words and the words don't connect with what our values are or even our intent. And that's what mis being misunderstood looks like, right? And we also choose words, like I said, that minimize, not on purpose. So here's a, here's a really simple example. I like to think about if I say to anybody, what do you have to do this weekend? Or what are you gonna do this weekend? People say things like, I have to do the laundry. Okay, well, you know, nine times out of 10, you do actually have to do the laundry. <laughs> but if you change it to, I get to do the laundry, which is a simple, simple change, there, there's a lot that happens there. I have to do the laundry implies a burden. I get to do the laundry. Why is that? Why do I get to do the laundry? Well, because I have running water and I have detergent. I have a wash machine. I've got all these things and I love clean clothing. And so you put that all together and it's a value to me. And then I'm in a place where I might feel more grateful for the doing of the laundry, right? It sounds so more positive to me too, where, where to me, my first thought, again, for me, I guess my values are, are framed in terms of positive and negative. When I hear I have to do the laundry, it's like, ugh, that's what my sister says. <laughs> okay, she hates laundry. When I lived with her, I did the laundry. But when I get to do the laundry, it's like, oh, wow, this is something I want to do. I'm looking forward to it. Right. It's totally inadvertent. You know, we might say, I have to trim the hedges for my neighbor because it's something that, you know, I've agreed to do. Mm -hmm. But indeed, you get to do it because you want to be of service to the neighbor and that's living your values. So it's just, there are um, minor differences that make a huge impact. 
How much of it do you think is based on society and what's popular? I mean, how do you feel about jargon and the different things that people say? You've been in business a long time, so have I, and I can't tell you how many times word choices change. You know, remember when everybody was going to dialogue, all right? Yeah. And, it, you know, they, yeah. they changed it down into a verb. So that part of me, but what do you have to say about the jargon and the things that people say, how that affects us? Do you think that's a big yeah. part of trying to communicate and trying to fit in? I do. I do. The one, the example that comes to mind as soon as you said that actually is no problem. About 20 years ago, and now I was in the hospitality industry and out of a clear blue sky in my mind, people started saying no problem to anything. You know, if you order something in a restaurant and they bring it, they, you know, you ask for something additional, like some salt, they say no problem. And I think to myself, well, I didn't think it was going to be a problem <laughs> in the first place. And now you're, you're get you're offering me a double negative. Right. The word no and a problem. And so, yes, yeah, so that some of it is related to norms that change over time. But then some of it's in, ingrained, you know, as kids, we grow up and we start hearing about what we should do. And oh, that's yeah. as we, yeah. And, and then, you know, some people rebel more than others to those shoulds. Oh, that <laughs> right? would be me. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah. So, yeah, so I did a whole thing on that as well. And here's another one, just. You know, this is something for writers and, you know, I, that, and something that I've learned is, you know, it's, it's not easy to market yourself. Um, you and I have talked about that before, but it's certainly not easy if you say you're just something. Not that I just wrote a book recently, meaning just, right. but I'm just an author or, you know, we minimize again by choosing that word just. Right. Or I just write fiction. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. You're right. You're giving an implication. And like I said, I think some of it may actually reflect what we think and feel, but probably just as often it doesn't reflect right. what we say and feel. And that's important. I find myself emphasizing things because I find different things important. So when I write, I'll say something is very exciting. Well, either it's exciting or it isn't, you know, yeah, there's different degrees, but why do you have to measure everything to degrees? Again, it's habits that we form. Well, I suppose it's too, just like when you communicate, if somebody doesn't understand you, you get louder. It's like, right. Yeah, that's right. Right. Well, and you just hit on something that's really important. When, when you're writing, you have the option to go back and fix it. Like you said, you know, you, you kind of noodle on it. When we're speaking, sometimes that, that reflection has to happen in a nanosecond because the words are about to come out of our mouth and we'll say something and then think, oh, that's not, that's not at all what I meant. Or the person doesn't receive the information, you know, the way that you intended because of your word choices. It's way well, harder. Thing for me, I've all been very guilty of talking too quickly, not taking my time. Mm -hmm. I do everything quickly. I think quickly and I speak as soon as I think. And maybe I should think a little more <laughs> before I speak <laughs> and give myself a few more nanoseconds. Yeah. And, and that may be part of it. But then how about people who spend a lot of time thinking before they're speaking? They might overanalyze. That's right. And not actually get out the words that they want, you know, so that that's another catch to it. So you're also making me think of something that I tease out in the book about the difference between being interested and interesting. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I'm a talker. I think you and I have that in common <laughs> and I'm a fast talker. Yeah. Just the same. So it has been a point of reflection for me, you know, what are the thing, the words I can choose to be interested. And those are more along the lines of questions. Mm -hmm. What questions can I ask another to express being interested as opposed to interesting where I'm 
choosing words to, you know, share a story or connect the dots on something for someone. And, and those are just two different things that I believe require some contemplation, right? Yeah. I also think too, when you, when it comes to asking questions, a lot of people think that if they ask questions, they're putting the focus on the person to answer them. I think that you probably communicate more about who you are by the types of questions you ask mm -hmm. and how often you ask them. It, it's not just that. So there's a lot of different angles and perspectives, I think, from the interested. And I don't know, I've being in sales, okay, that's how you and I first met. It was a sales situation. I think that the ability to be engaging and interesting and interested and engaged at the yeah. same time takes a lot of work. And I think as with most things, when you're trying to communicate, you really have to think about the person you're trying to send the message to. Mm -hmm. Because if they're not getting the message you send, you've failed. Right. And so that gets word choices with questions when you were just saying that. We don't even realize this, but this is something that I coach a lot on in one-on-one -on -one as well. When we start questions with if we ask yes, no questions, you know, even, you know, with your kids, with anybody, you're just going to get the yes or the no, the pat answer, right? The monosyllabic answer. Right. And I do a bit about that in the book, but, and if you ask questions that start with why you may unintentionally imply judgment, simple thing. Like if I say to my husband, um, honey, why did you choose to get the groceries so late in the day? <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm yeah. thinking that, right. Um, so and even like a political thing, why did you vote for that congressman or, you know, what have you? Whereas if we choose what and how, we start with what and how, you know, what about that candidate appeals most to you? There's no judgment there. Right. Whereas when we start with why, it's even if you don't intend judgment. It might be received that way. That's right. Well, And I learned the same thing in sales. Okay. My take on that as a salesperson is you don't want to ask yes or no questions because you only get yes or no answers. That's you want right. to ask a question so that the answer is phrased as a story, as narrative. That's right. It all boils down to people. I tell people all the time, you need to read how to win friends and influence people. Also need to read books like yours, The Words We Choose. You talk about in your book, some universal concepts that everybody would benefit from. Why don't you share some of those? Yeah. Um, so I, I have shared the get to have to, that's a really big one. As I'm going now that I've written the book and as I coach people really latch on to that, you know, this goes in the bucket of minimizing words like just and enough. So we say that's good enough. I propose that even good enough isn't good enough <laughs> because enough just sort of, um, it cuts us off, you know, like a, it levels us off like enough right here and therefore doesn't help us go beyond, right? Another truncating word, but this is very universal. People say da, 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 this and that and the other thing, but so on and so forth, but truncates. If we teach ourselves, well, I just did it actually. Not if we teach ourselves, that's another one when we teach ourselves. So if to when, mm -hmm. but to end, mm -hmm. if I say so at such and such, such and such end, and then I want to add additional information. So it's those types of words to, to switch out basically, you know, your, your shoulds, your try, those all switch over to will yeah. not that I should do this, but I will do this. It's funny. You should talk about enough because I was just editing something earlier today for a client. And one of the questions said something about this wasn't enough, talking in terms of money. Well, 
enough is also one of those things that's going to mean something different to you and me. If you're talking about money, if you're using enough in a quantitative way rather than just a nebulous way, you know, $100,000 may be enough for you. It might not be enough for me or vice versa. So that's one thing when you're using words such as enough. And what was what you said, but and and, and what was the other truncating word? Well, this one doesn't so much truncate, but if to when. That's it. That's in life insurance. People talk about, well, gee, if I die, I need to have life insurance. And it's like, (laughs) no, it's when, because we're all going to (laughs) die. And again, it's one of those things where people know that, but it's such a horrible thing to think about. So they choose the word if unconsciously, because it's easier to deal with. So there's a whole lot of things going on inside Mm -hmm. when people choose their words. That's right. Tell us a little bit about your coaching because people can find you online at shortgroup.net. Tell us a little bit about your coaching and what you do as we wind down. And then you can finish up again, showing us your book cover and let me know anything else you want people to know about the words we choose. All right. Well, absolutely. I, so I do one-on-one coaching and that, again, that's part of why I wrote the book is I you know kept hearing myself say some things over and over again. And then I blew that up a bit <laughs> to write the book, <laughs> but I also do um, group coaching, you know, so, and, and some consulting still. And if it wasn't COVID days, I would be doing speaking, you know, speaking gigs have all um, disappeared. But what I decided is the way to really get this out there is I've created online courses. So I've broken down the key concepts in the book and I've broken them into four distinct sort of verticals. And I'm just in the process of doing that right now. And I've also, Linda, I I hadn't told you this before we jumped on the phone, but a couple of weeks before the election, I decided that I just wrote a book on communication. I decided to put together a mini course on um, mindful communication for what I call bridge builders those who want to really repair communication, particularly with those with differing um, perspectives, right? Mm -hmm. So that's available right now. And um, all of that you can get to through my site, but, but not, but, and And. see how that works. (laughs) And so, so, and I, I endeavor to finish up those courses so that people can connect the dots and individuals as well as leaders and organizations that could purchase the content going forward. That's good. So they can find that on shortgroup.net, all kinds of information about you, the people who work with you, all the other things you do. There's the words we choose. Where can people find the words we choose? It's on Amazon, right? It is. Yeah, it's on Amazon and IndieBound. You can also purchase it through my website. Through your website. website. Okay, so it's all over the place. As a a writer, I know, says where all good books are sold. (laughs) That's right. Very. I love it. I love that. Good choice of words. That's right. (laughs) Terry Short, thanks for joining me. I'm sure we'll be talking to you again in the future. Thank you, Linda. It's been my pleasure. 